Hey everyone, welcome to the Coffee and Conversation podcast. Uh, Just a quick note before we begin that today's episode is four-part series of live shows. That's right, live shows hosted at Cornerstone Christian Church right here in Brownsburg, Indiana. We will be welcoming both Christian and non-Christian guests to talk about effective and ineffective methods of evangelism. If you missed last night's live taping, we, we do invite you to join us July 17th at the same time for some great coffee and amazing conversation. Can't make it? Don't worry. We got you covered. We'll be posting the live sessions right here for your listening pleasure. All right, here's the show. Welcome to Coffee and Conversation, a podcast that's all in the name. Good coffee with great conversation. Here's your host, Larry Vincent. I am proud uh, to welcome and, and please give a round of applause for Rashad Cunningham. Come on up, guy. What up, my man? What's up? What's up? You doing okay today? I'm doing great. All right. Uh, uh, shout out to uh, our coffee guy, uh, Brickhouse Coffee. You are drinking the El Corazon. I don't know if that's how you say it in Spanish. Uh, I don't honestly care. Um, but it's close enough. So There's no creamer? Cream. Cream. I'm not that kind of coffee drinker. Uh, I don't like the... Uh, hey, uh, uh, I don't uh, need it. I'll, somebody in the back. <laughs> nope. Yes, Barry's grabbing. I'm Thank fine. You, I'm fine. I'm gonna do this. Oh no, we got you. We got you, man. We we aim to please at Cornerstone Christian. I'm, I'm gonna do this. All right, here All we right. go. First sip, right here. All right. Mmm. What do you think? Woo! <laughs> 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 hey, man. Listen, yeah, I, hey. I like my coffee. <laughs> Like I like my wife, all right? Bold and strong. Oh, okay, I was going to say she's not black. She, she, she's not right. black. Never mind. All right. I thought, I thought you might appreciate that joke. <laughs> Look at that. Look thank at that. You so Service. Much. Thank you, Barry. Thank I appreciate so that. Barry, everybody. Thank you. When you're doing it live, we do it right. All right. All right. All right. All right. Um, all right uh, Rashad, let's, uh, let, let's get into your story a little bit. Uh, you know, the reason why we're here tonight is to talk about um, evangelism um, okay. and, and how, uh, how that impacted you before you became a Christian. And um, I know your story, but I don't know if everybody here knows your story. Mm-hmm. Um, so would you mind sharing just uh, a testimony and, and, and how we do it, how we've done it here is, who are you before Christ? Um, how did you come to Christ? And who are you now because of Christ? Got it. All right. So hit me with those. Yep. I'm Rashad. I am, um, as he introduced all those things, except for I'm not the most popular pastor. I'm just a regular guy. Oh, just the most popular guy. <laughs> um, so before Christ, who was I before Christ? Um, and I actually have somebody here who can attest to all of this, uh, not glorifying any of this, but I was a, um, I was a woman manipulator. I was a adulterer, an alcoholic. Um, addicted to porn, um, sold drugs. Um, in this community of Brownsburg, I was the guy known that you stay away from, you keep your daughters away from, and if you want your, your son to be anything, you keep him away from me as well, because uh, my intentions was to destroy this community. Um, I, um, everything about me just basically believed that, yo, there's a God there's a heaven, there's a hell, but I didn't know anything about Jesus, yeah. so I'm going to hell because I know the stuff I'm doing is bad, so um, they had this saying, YOLO, you only live once, and I'm like, hey, I might as well do as much as I can while I'm still here because I'm going to hell. I know I'm going to hell, so I'm going to do as much dirt and have as much fun as I possibly can from um, the time I moved out here until uh, 2011. If I may ask yeah. a question about that. that. That's really striking. I don't meet too many people who, um, who say, oh yeah, I knew I was going to hell. Yeah. Um, how, how did you, were, were you at peace with that? Like how did you come to terms with that idea? Yeah, so mom would take me to church. Uh, we're an adoptive family. There's 17 total Whew. siblings. Yeah, crazy, right? Jeez. And so we would go to church, and uh, Pastor Fletcher, awesome guy over on 21st and Emerson, he would preach, and I'm sure he talked about Jesus, but we didn't hear none of that. We, yeah. were, 
we were kids, we were doing whatever, and the only reason we cared to even get baptized was because when somebody got baptized, then we would go to Ponderosa. So we would just take turns. Like, <laughs> like, like if this is my brother, I'd be like, I'd be like, hey, Larry, Larry, you want to go today? Today? All right, I'll go. And then, and so uh, Pastor Fletcher, you know, um, we would come down and we could regurgitate whatever we were told to regurgitate. You know, we could say whatever we needed to say, go in the water and then go get some wings from Ponderosa. Like, that's how it worked. So I had heard heaven, heard hell, heard about God. In my mind, I put it together. Somebody has to create all of this stuff, right? right? And they say there's a heaven, they say there's a hell, and bad people go to hell, and I'm a bad person because of all the things I had done in my life. I, uh, I moved out here in 1996. I moved from Indianapolis, Indiana, out here in 1996. On 56th Street, there was the only home that we could move in with all the kids. Yeah. And when I went to Brownsburg, I was the only black. I was the only black there. So I had a, a lot of identity issues of I don't want to lose my blackness, whatever that means, right? Mm -hmm. yeah. And um, I need to prove to them that they're not going to punk me. And I went through a lot of racial issues, getting called nigger and jungle monkey and go back to where you're from and all that. So I responded to that, that like, you know, maybe all this is because of who, I, who I've been, you know, and wow. I deserve this. And therefore, you know, I'm, gonna, I'm just going to fight back and do my thing. And um, I had this really narcissistic idea that since these white people are treating me like the scum of the earth, the racist ones, then I'm going to go after their daughters. And mm -hmm. this started a trend of um, very, very bad and depressing and dark places of my life. So you weren't just, you weren't just, you know, living your life the way you wanted to live it. You were intentionally trying to harm people. Yes. Yeah. Okay. Yes. All right. So what, what, what changed, man? Talk about, talk about the moment where, where Christ uh, finally got into your, you know, got to your heart and got you to change. Yeah. So, um, me and my wife got married, and she's my high school sweetheart. We got married in 2004. We had a daughter, and we got pregnant again with a son. And um, he, well, let me, sorry, I got to go back a little bit. You're fine. With Genesis, when, when we were pregnant with Genesis, on April 1st, Brittany went uh, down to the hospital. Okay. Uh, earlier, two weeks earlier, I had sold some drugs with my brother to a friend um, who gave us a $20 bill with a whole bunch of paper in it. And... Um, he basically stuck us up in a way. Yeah. We were going to get him back, and Brittany went into labor. My wife went into labor with Genesis. So I had to go to the hospital, and my brother was like, I was like, come down to the hospital with us. And he said, no, I'm going to go take care of this. Uh, he ended up going to jail for 20 years because of what happened that night. Oh, wow. And hence, yeah. my daughter's name is Genesis, my beginning. And that should have grabbed me in that moment, like, wow, like somebody's watching over me. But no, no, not Rashad. Rashad needs more. So life goes on. And in 2008, well, we're pregnant again. And we have a child named Exodus. And the hmm. doctors are like, hey, he's going to be great. He's going to be awesome. And he's going to make it. And 25 hours later, my wife is holding him um, as, he, as he dies. So at this point, I'm mad. I, like, once again, I believe in God, but I believe I'm going to hell, but my wife doesn't deserve this. Right. So I'm shaking my fist at God. And my mom, who, you know, always been kind of church going, was like, hey, God will never give you more than you can handle. I'm looking for that in the Bible. I can't it, find it, it anywhere. It ain't there. It's not there. <laughs> so I'm, I'm really upset with God, and, and I'm completely done with him, and I go on doing more and more bad. Well, in 2011, um, whew. We're pregnant again, okay. and um, we're, it's a girl. We're going to name her Soul. And in January of 2011, Brittany goes into a coma, basically, hemorrhaging internally. And the baby doesn't make it, and she also loses all ability to reproduce. She's only 25 years old at this time. Wow. So um, at this point, I'm trying to think of any way to... Um, have her leave me so that she doesn't have to take on what I think is God punishing her for being with me. Mm. Uh, two months go by and we're, we, she says, can we adopt? Can we adopt? Can we please adopt? So we're like, I'm like, sure, let's try to adopt. And we go through the whole orientation process in February and we're, we're going to do this. And they're like, everything's good. We just got to run a background check. And I've had all kinds of jobs. So I'm like, yeah, I can, I can get a background check to go past and all that. But when I was 20 years old, I messed around with a 16-year-old girl and therefore, I have a substantiation on my record. And they're like, we're sorry, we can't let you adopt. 
So at this point, my wife cannot raise another life because of me. Wow. And my past and my history. Yeah. So in April of 2011, I'm a music producer as well, and a friend of mine was doing a soulful Saturday in a church in Brownsburg called New Living Bible Church, which is where the hip studios used to be. And he invited me, and I was like, bro, you can't rap in a church. Like, you can't do that. And, and why would they allow us to come in there and listen to the hip-hop? And it was just an outreach evangelism right. thing. So I went because, A, I wanted to hear my music that I had made, see how the beat sounded, and because I was trying to stay in the house long enough to find a plan B so Brittany wouldn't kick me out, so I brought her with me. And when we got there, uh, everything went as planned, and the pastor preached just a regular sermon, like the earth didn't, you know, shatter or nothing. But he looked at the wall and said, if, if all of this is God's problems, this little dot that I couldn't even see is yours. You don't think he can handle that? And I said, that's cute. I literally said, that's cute. Yeah. My wife said, uh, can we come back next, I mean, tomorrow, because the following Saturday was Easter Sunday, and said... Um, We've never been to church before. And here's a funny thing. Jenna, I'm sorry, I got to call you because you're out here. She had just earlier in the year asked us if she could take my daughter to church. Okay. And I was, she's, she's like my sister. And I'm like, who are you judging me? Like, I don't go to church. You don't know if I go to church. Da, da, da. I didn't go to church. But you didn't but, go to yeah, church. Go so, to church. <laughs> well done. All right. Well, um, so, we, so we went to church that, that Easter Sunday. And he started in the book of Romans. And I'm the type of guy, I'm into like, I watch the movies where you have to try to figure out who's done it before yeah. it's over and things. So Romans is just like mind blowing to me, just great. And he's preaching, you know, for three weeks in the book of Romans because we kept going back. And he, they have a membership class. So we go to the membership class and I'm doing all of this just to make my stay longer with my wife before she kicks me out because she had found out I was cheating again. Um, and so what happens is he asks me, he says, hey, are you, are you saved? Because you can't be a member if you're not saved. And once again, I'm like, I don't want to keep my wife from being able to do something else. So I was like, sure, I've been baptized like six times, you know. <laughs> and the, the thing is, though, I have. Yeah, like, I, know. I, <laughs> I know. I know that was true. Like, <laughs> Your sins have been washed. Exactly, right. like super washed, right? Yeah. And um, he looked at me and said, um, okay. He said, well, maybe we should hold off on membership. And I was like, man, I'm good, but if you want to hold off, that's on you. You know, you're missing out on something. So, <laughs> so another month goes by, and he cuts hair. He, he cuts hair. So he um, became my barber as well. And in May, in the middle of that May, 2011, I start getting those, these weird butterflies in my stomach about... Um, you know how like when you got a bad report, maybe you've never had a bad report card, but I had lots of bad report cards. And when your parents have already seen the grade, mm. so they're like, you can't alter it. You just have to go home and face the music and you got the butterflies in your stomach. I had those butterflies as a grown man for some reason. I'm 28 years old. And, um, and I'll never forget, he kept talking about this Jesus person. And, and I just kept saying, man, I, Ah, I don't know what that's all about. And these weird, just anxious anxiety butterflies. So I go to his house on May 28th of uh, 2011, and I'm sitting in his kitchen. He's making coffee, actually. And I start crying. And he looks over and says, Rashad, what's wrong? And I said, um, I said, you've been talking about this Jesus person. I said, you've been talking about this Jesus person and how no matter what I've done in life, I can still be saved. Mm. And I said, I don't think you understand all that I've done. And I start telling, I just spilled my guts. I mean, the deepest, darkest depths of my, my life up to that point. And I said, there's nobody who would die for me. There's nobody who would want me. My mom had given up on me at that point. Wow. And, um, and my wife, with good reason, had given up. And my daughter at five was just like, you know, she said, I thought this church thing was just going to be another thing you did to stay in the house. Mm. So to hear that there's this person named Jesus who came and died for me so that all my sins could be erased, it didn't make any logical sense and I didn't understand how that could even apply to me the the worst of the worst in my opinion and he 
we sat down that morning and he, instead of a haircut, he, he just took me through Romans. Just slowly took me through Romans and made sure I understood before we went to the next page, before we went to the next verse. He just, we just plowed away in Romans. And, um, and we got to Romans 10. And I'll never forget, like we read it, and I said, could you read it again? And he's like, if anyone confesses Christ as Lord, he will be saved. If anyone calls on the name of the Lord, he will be saved. And I was like, that doesn't make sense to me because how can that erase all the things I've done to all these people? Right. Right. And um, he said, well, you didn't get away with it. Somebody died for that. Mm. And it broke me. And I, I, I received Christ as my Lord and Savior that morning and was baptized a week later. My, my daughter followed me in August of that year. And um, that's, my, that's the turning point. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. How did your, how, how did your wife react when yeah. you came home that day? Yeah, she didn't believe it. Yeah, I didn't think so. No, she, um, in fact, uh, that first six months, she thought it was another gimmick yeah. to find more girls, mm-hmm. to um, stay in the house longer. Um, once again, Jenna's here. She was, a, she was a part of that entire journey. Like, yeah. you know, she was probably like, girl, don't trust him. You know I mean? <laughs> <laughs> but it, it, um, nothing about my life it was a 180, man. Yeah. You know, I know, I know everybody's story is different, but it was a 180. The, the porn, the alcohol, I just gave it all up because um, I asked, if it's as easy as just saying it, then why doesn't everybody do it? And he was like, well, there's this thing called obedience. Yeah, that's <laughs> you right. know what I mean? Uh, Lord and Savior. Yes, right. And um, I, I tried so much of my own way that I was like, you know what? I surrender whatever. If you can really give me another shot at, at just life, you know, and, and, and I don't have to go to hell like I thought I had to go to hell. Like right. I thought there was no way of getting out from the negative that I was in to know he paid my debt in a sense. Yeah. Um, it was life changing. So I did a complete 180. And uh, this guy here who graduated from Brownsburg with a 1.9 hates to read start reading everything he could in the Bible. That's awesome. And, um, and that turned around to me starting to feel like, hey, the thing that you do on stage when you're preaching and using those metaphors and illustrations, yeah, I did that when I was rapping, bro. I can do that. Yeah. And he's like, well, you know, pray about it and let's consider if there's a call. Um, and so I started my first ministry at the women's shelter in Danville. Oh, uh, Sheltering Wings. Sheltering Wings. Yeah. I was doing a Sunday night ministry uh, with a pastor there who was pouring into me, who was a friend of my pastor. And um, there's a lady there, and she allows me to tell this part of the story, who did not want me to be there. She said, no. She said, no, no, no. I know him. Yeah. She said, no, 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 no. There's women who are here from his emotional abuse two, three years ago. You know, there's women who are here because of him. You cannot let him. He's up to something. There's no way that he can be here doing this for the right reasons. And then she came and heard me preach. And um, when I was done, she gave me a hug and she whispered in my ear. She says, you don't know who I am. She says, and I hated God that I heard he was using you. She said, that 16-year-old girl you got in trouble for was my daughter. And she said, but after after watching and seeing what God has done in you, she said, I forgive you. Mm. Praise God, man. Yeah, man. And it changed, that moment changed my life. You had a very Paul experience. I mean, because if you think about it, I mean, Paul had to wait uh, to get, you know, approval from, you know, from the apostles. Yeah. I mean, he had, to, he had to have that proving ground of yeah. his life because they thought they were, he, that he was going to kill them all. You yeah, know? Exact, exact same yeah. thing. Yeah, exact you know? same thing. Man. Exact same thing. Yeah. So who are you now because of Christ? Oh, man, I'm this crazy guy. I'm still trying to figure out why people come to our church. <laughs> no, um, fearless. Yeah. Fearless for the gospel. Yes. Fearless for the souls that are out here. Because um, what's happened is I remember looking at my mom's pastor, who I love, Pastor Fletcher, and saying, if that's what it takes to be a Christian, I could never be that. Right. I, I hate suits. You know, he wore the three-piece suits, and he did the ha and the huh. When he preached, I was like, I, I, Funny, I, I do the same do thing. Do you really? Yeah. Oh, man. Like, <laughs> <laughs> and um, so as I grew and um, um, 
responded to the call on my life and began preaching um, and, and pastoring, I, I kept speaking with God and, and just saying, you know, if I'm going to do this, Lord, can I just be me? Because growing up, I never saw me. Yeah. I never saw somebody say, bro, I, I was completely broken and I messed up so bad and God, and God still was able, you know? Right. And I said, can I just be me? I don't have the seminary degrees and the doctorate degrees that all my pastor friends have and all that. And they always say, well, then how are you a pastor? And I said, because it has nothing to do with the education, right? Like, I, I'm in the Bible just like you. Yeah. <laughs> and so... It's kind of a ridiculous th- statement by them, but yeah. You yeah. know how it goes. You know how it goes. But um, so today, my goal in life is to literally uh, live out that John 13, they will know us by our love for one another, mm-hmm. you know? Um, that's where the Brownsburg Chatter thing came from. Right. I'm always trying to meet the community where they're at, in the brokenness, in the, in the division. There's a lot of division in our community. Uh, there is, you're right. And being someone who um, was here in 96 and understands that change is hard, but also being someone that was the, black, the only black guy for a while and had to deal with all of that, I've been able to uh, be a bridge for a lot of things, and it's all because I'm just simply looking at Christ and saying, look, you know, as I read... Look who we put together as disciples. They were completely different people, and it was love. Yeah. So that's who I am now. I'm, I'm trying to um, be a part of um, piecing back the community that I tried to destroy before Christ. I, I, I love that mission. I, mean, I love that heart, you know, and, and it's just, it, it's cool. You know, we hear that the prophet has no honor in his hometown, you know, and, um, you know, and that's not true of every situation, yeah. obviously, yeah. and I'm glad it's not true in yours. Yeah, it's one of those things where um, the, reason, the reason we kind of exist mm-hmm. in, in Brownsburg is because the majority of the ones who are there uh, at Church on the Rock are specifically ones who saw me in high school or knew me growing up and are like, <laughs> if God can save him... <laughs> then surely I got a chance, right? Yeah. Yep. And, and, we, and we educate them, we teach them and all that. But, but so we, um, you know, it, it's, a, it's a unique flock of just like people who are like, I remember right. you're the rapper guy or you're the this or you're the that. How are you preaching now? Or they even look at like, I've only been saved since 2011, now I'm a lead pastor. And yeah. they're like, this doesn't make sense. So it, they come to see if it's real or to yeah. kind of test it. And then you point them to Christ and it's not even about you. you know yeah, what I mean? yeah. I mean, I, I went through the same things, you know, did the 180, and, and, I, and Heather can attest to this wherever she's at, um, uh, that we got those Facebook messages, you know, like, like you know, how could you be this guy? Yes. I mean, you, you got to be yes. lying. You got, you know, and, I, 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 and it's, always, it's always fun. Like, I, I always consider, I always laugh when I get those messages. It's like, you know, you know God, God has done a lot in my life, yeah. man, and then he can do a lot in your life, too, if you just give him the opportunity. Amen. You know, Amen. I mean, it just opens the door for evangelism. Yes, it does. You know, I, I think, um, you know, stories like ours are, are powerful for a reason. You know, but one of the things that we are, that we're trying to teach um, to our congregation and to all Christians is that you don't have to have a powerful story. No. Um, you know, to, to share about a powerful God. Yes. Uh, you know, and, and so when you look at your story and you look at your past, um, you know, outside of your pastors, um, who, who were your top evangelizers? How did they evangelize to you? Do you have negative experiences as well? I mean, kind of see if you can fit all that into one. Yeah, so um, over, over at our church, the ones who are, who are great evangelists mm-hmm. are the ones who um, are most concerned with simply just meeting people where they're at. You know? Define that. Okay. Because we say that a lot. Yeah. That's, a, that's a Christianism. Yeah, yeah, right? yeah. What, what does that mean? Well, when I say it, I mean, like, to the core. Like, where, where are you? Um, you won't come to church. Yeah. But you love to work out. I'm going to the gym with you. Like, yeah. you know what yeah. I mean? Um, I've done that. Or, yeah. yeah I, I do that. Like, yeah. that's the only yeah. reason All I work time. out sometimes. All right. <laughs> um, or, or on the flip side, um, as, a, as a pastor, I wear Jordans a lot. Why? Because we don't have like a t- we don't have the facilities to have a teen session on Sunday mornings. Yeah. So they're in there with me. And believe it or not, there are teens at our church who listen and are engaged because I wear Jordans. 
And, and that's just getting into the culture and understanding what moves them, not compromising the gospel or right. who you are, any of that, but just saying, if it's, a, if it's a matter of wearing Jordans on a Sunday, and well, then I'm going to wear some Jordans, or playing basketball uh, you know, on, a, on a Wednesday night, then I'm going to go play basketball. Whatever it takes to get in the rhythm of their life. So we got a couple, a couple of elders here, and I would just like to point out that... Um, are, are the, that my budget can now include Jordans, no. uh, Beats, <laughs> Beats headphones, um, you know, a couple things. The other couple things the kids are doing right now, um, you know, that that uh, that's what I'm getting from you right now. Yeah, but, you know, but, up but, my dress game. So think think about it like this. Um, I st- I still DJ weddings, and when there be people at these weddings who see me do the ceremony, and this happened just this past weekend in North Carolina. You do the ceremony, and, you know, I pronounce your man and wife, and they're like, awesome job, pastor. And then they go to the, to the reception, and they're like, hold on, didn't you just, <laughs> you're the DJ, you know? And, and, and I'm like, yeah, I keep it clean. Sorry, we're not going to play that stuff. You, But it meets them where they're at, where they're right. curious now. And they're like, I thought pastors couldn't listen to music unless it was, ha, you know? Yeah. And, and. And they're, they're shocked. They're like, that makes no sense to me, all these stereotypes that keep them out the church. So um, when I say meet them where they're at, I mean get in the rhythm of their life. And so what happens is this, man. What I've come to find is the ones who are doing the, the best jobs, not just in my church but anywhere, um, they stop trying to come up with some new program or some new ministry. And they said, you know what? I already go to the gym every morning at this time. And there's people there at the same time every day. Yes. Why don't I just start there? Right. Instead of making something new. And and everybody has some type of rhythm in their life yeah. in which that that's where the mission field is. You don't have to come up with another name of some new ministry or some new program at the church and wait on this leader or that leader to lead you. You just say, hey, this is the rhythm of my life. These are the people in it. How can I start praying for them and put them on my heart? How yeah. can I start sharing the gospel with them? Or how can I... How can I get invited to their table instead of inviting them to my temple? You know what I mean? Oh, I like that. I'm an alliteration guy. Yeah, listen, <laughs> uh, I'm stealing that for my next sermon. Take um, it. <laughs> uh, y- y'all think I'm kidding too. Watch. Uh, <laughs> who did that for you? Who who got into the rhythm of your life and said and, and and was that light? Yeah. So Pastor Taylor. Yeah. Um, cut my hair. Right. If he didn't cut my hair. I would only see him on Sunday. Mm. That's not enough. Right. There's no relationship. Right. It was the haircuts where he's not even talking about Jesus while he's cutting my hair. He's talking about the Lakers and, you know, sports and stuff that helped me bring my walls down right. to where I started opening up. And, it, and, and if you're in your Bible daily and you're, you know, really just getting poured into, it will naturally overflow yes, it will. in your conversation. You don't yep. have to force you know, you don't have to jab Jesus in there. No, you'll be talking and you'll be like, oh, yeah, that's kind of like Jesus, blah, blah, blah. You know, um, a lot of times when I'm talking to some of the kids, I'm talking about Marvel and the whole Marvel universe and Jesus just pops out and I'm like, yeah, that's kind of like Jesus. It is? Yeah, just like this, only he's better than Iron Man. You know what I mean? Oh, by far. <laughs> by so, far. So things like that, um, it was my pastor cutting my hair that made it something where I wanted to be there and it's kind of like a secret mission like he, he's like you don't even know I'm about to I'm about to give you the gospel bro while I'm, yeah. cut, while I'm fading his hair I'm gonna cut your hair but then I'm gonna cut your heart I, I mean right? th- there you go See? right he, he, he used yeah. to always say um um if he would stop cutting my hair halfway he says when you look at this now you see problems he goes but as the one in charge and in control, I know what the end product looks like. You just have to trust me. And that oh, was, I like that. Oh, yeah. I was just like, oh, I, I ate that yeah. up. If I was the one in control, <laughs> you would be fearful of the end product. Um, what about negative uh, experiences, man? I, yeah. You had to have some, uh, oh, you know. plenty of them. Well, get, what was that like? What, what, what uh, you know, things do you wish they wouldn't have done when they evangelized to you? Um, try to be cool. Mm. That, uh, the, the greatest turnoff is the guy trying to meet me where I'm at by, by being something he's not. Mm, yeah, yeah. And, and so that was one very negative experience. But the other one was um, just the fakeness of, of church. 
You know, we come in here on a Sunday and it's hallelujah, love, awesome, I love you, blah, 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 and I won't hear from you again until the next Sunday. Yeah. Um, and with a bigger church, maybe you're not going to, but to not hear from anybody and then say you want me here or to tell or to, you know, look at me a certain way because I dress a certain way or I don't have the church etiquette right. because I've never been. Right. Um, I was teaching on uh, Romans 1 two weeks ago and I, I explained that there's some people in here today who think Christ is the last name of Jesus. And I was like, I want to correct that. But, and people snickered and laughed and I said, those of you laughing, that's the reason they don't come back. Yep. Yep, you just embarrassed him right there. Yeah, there. right there. Yep. And, and those are the things, I've had a lot of those experiences. I thought the Gospels, and I'll, I'll laugh about this now to myself, but I thought the Gospels was a group like the Temptations. <laughs> like Mark, Matthew, Luke, John. They must be like a white group of the Temptations, right? <laughs> and, um, but for somebody to like, how could you? And yeah. Well, I'm, I'm the world, remember? Like the one you're supposed to be, I'm the lost, remember? Yes. So... That's always been the bad experience from my end in terms of being evangelized. Now, too. you bring out a really good point, actually, um, that, you know, people with, with stories like ours, um, you know, and uh, you're, you're, I'm not nearly comparing myself to the troubles you went through as, as, as a teenager, but, you know, growing up as non-Christians and then coming to Christ as, as an adult, um, we have world experience, Right. Um, and, and we use that for the glory of the gospel. You know, uh, we, we've been able to turn that into something positive, right? right? <clears throat> you know, a, as a father, you know, one of, my, one, of, one of my joys is that my kids don't have to grow up the mm -hmm. way I grew up. They, yes. don't have to, they don't have to grow up in an abusive household. They don't have to grow up around addicts. You know, they don't have to grow up around that kind of stuff. Um, and... And, but Heather and I were talking about this a couple months ago. It was this idea of how do we make sure that our kids, you know, have that kind of, um, you know, uh, street smart kind of thing uh, without experiencing all the negativity one has experienced to get that. Yeah. You know, and, and, and that's kind of the question that we ask for the church. We, we our, our, you know, our church is full of people who grew up in the church, who led, whose parents led good lives and... You know, you know, they didn't have the kind of issues we had growing up. And so, you know, when we get up on stage and we say, man, you just got to get out there. You just got, you just got to, you know, communicate, you know, how, where they're at. Well, half the people don't know, don't know what we're talking about, yeah. right? Yeah. How, how do you, how do you uh, relay that to people who don't understand our backgrounds? Yeah, so I start here. Um, I, tell, I tell the people I come across, start with the ones that you do relate with. Mm -hmm. Um, sometimes we're so caught up in the, the idolatry of friendship and I don't want to lose my friend yes. by reaching out to them. But your friend is the one you're most intimate with. Your friend is the one you, you like the same things, yes. you, you know, walk in the same circles. So it's kind of like the mission stuff. I always say, how are you going to go over to Africa when you won't even speak to somebody in your backyard? Mm. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, right. that's never made sense to me. So before, before like Church on the Rock, for example, before we go do inner city anything, I'm like, will you talk to somebody at the beauty salon where yeah. you feel safe and where you feel comfortable? Will, right. will you do it there first and develop that skill set? Because um, uh, my first illustration at uh, Church on the Rock, this is probably why they were like, we made a mistake. But anyway... <laughs> I, I had everybody do the electric slide um, to eight different genres of music. I'm sorry, you had the entire congregation do that? Well, we were a church plant. We were 30 at the time. Yeah, but you know? still, man. Yeah, hey, y'all, yeah. can we try the electric slide? No? <laughs> no? All right. See how that works? <laughs> but, so I told them, get out your comfort zone. I know this is not traditional. I get it. But we did the electric slide to eight different genres of okay. music. And I told them, notice that if you know the steps, it doesn't matter the genre of music. I said, the gospel's the same way. Mm. I don't need you to become a hip-hop lover to do the electric slide. You can love country and still do it, you oh, know? Who, who likes country, Rashad? Oh. A lot of people. Oh, stop that. Oh. You stop that. <laughs> so in the same way, I don't, I don't need... When, when I was lost... I don't need somebody to use slang and shake up with me and all that stuff to win me over. Right. I need them to use the power of God for salvation. 
That's it. Yeah. And, and then trust God with the results. You're cool. Are you sure? Yeah. Because <laughs> I ain't got no money. Like, I'm broke. Like, <laughs> so, um, so my encouragement would be this. Start with what you're comfortable with. And then, and then don't stick with what you're comfortable with. Get, be, I say be comfortable being uncomfortable at some point. Um, this is the beauty of the gospel, yes. okay? In Ephesians 2, you see Paul breaking down how Jews and Gentiles were two separate groups that were made into one because of Christ. Replace Jew and Gentile with anything that divides us, black and white, old and young, rich and poor. And, and Christ is the common denominator yes. that brings us into one. Yep. So I don't have to be rich to share the gospel with rich people. I don't have to be educated to share the gospel with educated people. I don't, it's Christ alone, right? And, and because of that, barriers are broken. The, the beauty of the gospel, I'm sorry, the beauty of the gospel is this. The one thing that separates us from God, sin, it's what makes us equal. Yes. Like, you're not better than me because you got a bigger house or you're smarter or you're, you have a better standing in Brownsburg or whatever. You're not better than me. No matter my background, you're not better than me. But on the flip side, like my daughter who hasn't grown up the way I have, yeah. they're, they're, those crazy out there testimonies aren't better than yours. Amen, man. I, yes. They're not better yeah. than yours. I love that. Yeah. So that's, to me... It's not about figuring out how you can um, engage the culture by being the culture. It, no, it's simply being on the mission that Christ was on. He entered places that Jews don't enter. You know, he, he had to go through Samaria, right? We don't go through Samaria. We go around Samaria, no, right. you know, because he was on mission. So if we do the same thing, what you'll find is uh, God does the work. You're a vessel. Right. You're an empty vessel. Now, here, here, here's a question, because you, you, you said something that could seem contradictory earlier on that, that could use some clarification. Earlier on, you are talking about the teens. Right. And how you, ha you, know, how you wear Jordans right. just to reach across. But here right. now you're saying, you don't need any of yeah, them. You, so, so, so what is it? I mean, yeah. do, we, do, we, do we go out and do we, do we uh, you know, try to find something we can relate to? Or do we just go out and preach? You know? I mean, what, how do you respond to that? So I say yes. Let me give you an example. I wear Jordans. A, the kids like it. I like it too. I love Jordans, right? Um, in the same way, though, in the same way, um, if I go to a specific church and they ask me to preach and they're KJV only mm -hmm. and they want me to wear a suit, to keep their ears open, yep. I'm going to meet them where they're at yes, wearing a suit and I will preach out the KJV. Yep. You, you understand what I I'm saying? Yep. I, I, will, I will remove any barriers that reaches them. What I'm, what I'm saying is this, though. That doesn't mean when I come home, I'm going to be like, well, now I got to wear suits forever and preach out the KJV every time I preach because if not, then no. I, I meet people exactly where they're at in that moment, and, and I share the gospel that doesn't change. I never compromise who I am, and I never compromise the gospel for that. Right. So I can see how that does come across like, well, is it this or is it that? Right. But I say yes. I say yes, it's, it's both. Right. Why? Because I'm trying to become all things to all people that I may win some. Who you are doesn't change, but what you might do changes. Yes. Yes. And, yes. and, and, and I think you're, you're right there, you know. Uh, let's talk about your personal evangelism. Yes, sir. Okay. Um, when, when, when you go, because you're, you're pretty effective, I think, um, you know, evangelizing. And I, I've seen you do it before on Chatter and and, and I, I love how you respond, especially during tragedies and things like that yeah. within our community. Um, but what methods do you personally employ when you're leading someone to Christ? You know, and let's start from when you first meet somebody to when you're presenting the gospel. Yeah, so I do the, um, I'm big on, before I introduce Christ, I introduce myself. Yes. You know? Yeah. Um, relationships are everything. Yes. Uh, I don't, I've never understood um, why, why we, we won't simply give ourselves to someone. Um, and what, do you, what do you mean by give yourself to someone? Yeah, so I, I see discipleship as a sacrifice. Okay. Um, when, I'm, when I'm trying to pour into somebody or reach somebody for Christ, I, I give my time, my efforts, my talents. I, I, I be. I become a part of that person with no agenda that says, 
I'm only going to do this if you commit to Christ. Right. Instead, it's a genuine friendship, a genuine relationship that won't be, um, that, won't, that won't quit on you because you haven't right. reached this end result that I'm looking for. Yeah. Um, so that means when I meet them, I open up. I open up about who I am. Um, I never front, as we call it. I never act like I'm not a pastor and, you know, no, I'm upfront about all that. But I've come to find myself that by presenting my background and my history, their walls come down. Yeah. Because they look at me and they're like, well, you can't judge me. <laughs> you know, even though they kind of judge me in that moment, but they're like, yeah. well, you can't judge me. And then they open up and then we find our commonalities and, and then we move towards Christ. Right. Um, each and every time uh, that, that I've done that, I've walked away knowing I've, I've given the most of me. And if they don't respond, I'm okay with that. I, I'm, not, I'm not the Messiah. I'm not Christ, right? Yeah. So there's a piece in that that um, I go out and I give it all I got with everybody. My testimony and my background, there's nobody who's met me intimately who doesn't know that. Yeah. And people are like, well, I don't feel comfortable doing that. And that's fine. That's, if that's you, that's fine. But to me, that's what breaks the barrier. Yeah. Because there's a stigma that we're always looking down on those who aren't us, who aren't Christians. That's what the world thinks. And you could tell them, no, I love you and all that, but they don't believe that. And so the moment that you tell them about yourself and your background and how you're not perfect, then they really start believing because they're like, you're, you're really telling me this stuff? And I'm like, yes, because I just want to love you. I just want an opportunity to love you. You're speaking towards something that we, we have um, uh, been teaching here uh, within the last year of being more transparent. Mm. Um, you know, and, yes. and not coming into church and, uh, you know, having uh, fake smiles on your face yeah, no. and a fake handshake and saying yeah. everything's okay when everything's not. Yeah. How, how do you encourage your congregation um, and those that you're discipling, how do you encourage them to be real? For those people especially who find that difficult to do. Yeah, my wife finds it very difficult. That's why she can't stand me doing these things. Oh, my wife, yeah, dude, my wife and your wife should get together. Uh, yeah. So, um, two things. Okay. One may go over your head. I'm going to try to explain it the best I can. There. Okay. Um, there, there's this movie with Eminem called Eight Mile, and yep, yep. at the very end of the movie, when he's trying to beat this other battle rapper in this rap competition, he says all the bad things about himself up front, and it takes away all the ammunition that the other rapper would have against him, yep. right? Uh, that's what started it for me in ministry. I said, you know what? I'm so worried about being called the pastor in Brownsburg where I have this horrible past and there's all these new people who've moved in and what if they find out about my past? Mm. Then what? You know? So I said, you know what? Forget it. I'm just going to tell it up front. And, I, and I, I'm, you know, very just up front, up front and blunt with who I was and move, you know, get that out the way. But then also, um, um, I teach our congregation by example. Okay. So when me and my wife, Brittany, are not getting along on Sunday morning because she said she wanted to be there at 7, um, and I'm still playing my video game at like 7.15, because um, that's kind of how I sermon prep in my mind. I'm like making sure I can, got it on my heart. Hey, Heather, did you hear that? Sermon prep is done on video games. All right. Um, but seriously, when we're not getting along, yeah. uh, the church knows it. Yeah. We walk in and, hey, how's Rashad doing? I don't know. Ask him. I'm not talking to him right now. <laughs> you know, Be, because, because we've been to the church where pastor and his wife never have a problem. And therefore, we feel we have to be that. And since we feel we have to be that, then we don't ever want to tell anybody about what we're struggling with because we're trying to live up to this example. Aren't you in danger or, or, or worried of oversharing? Isn't that a thing? Yeah, so I believe it is. I believe you can overshare. But I also believe in this. Uh, there's a command from Paul. It says, bear, um, bear one another's burdens. Bear one another's burdens. How can we bear burdens if we're not sharing burdens? Mm, amen. I've, I've never, you know, how can we live that command out if we're not sharing right. them? So is there oversharing? Yes. And that is based on when I talk to my wife, she's like, Rashad, not this. Like, this is between you, me, and our pastor, you know? Yeah. And I'm like, that's fine. I, I get that. Yeah. Um, 
but whatever she allows me to share, she understands it can be used by God to A, uh, show the, the testimony of look what we overcame because right. of God, but then also that we're transparent and authentic, um, not to say look at us, but to say look, look at us too. Yeah, you know? I, I, think, I think the key is listening to the Spirit. That's good. Right, uh, you know, when you look at the Gospels, there were certain things Jesus shared with the crowd, right. the masses, more that he shared with the, with the disciples, even more with the 12, and even more with the three, and then even more with just himself, with the right. Father, right? And, and so there was this kind of, you know, circle, enclosed circle, uh, where Jesus, you know, depending on the closeness of the relationship, shared more, yes, right? Yes, agreed. Um, and, and I think that, you know, I think that's what God gives us. With our closest people, we share everything. But, you know, the less close we become, the less, you know, the less we share you know, into what we're ever comfortable sharing publicly, you know. And, I like that. And, and all that comes down to, and you've said this already before, you got to pray. You know, if you're in the Word and you're praying and you're with God and you got that relationship, man, Spirit's going to let you know yeah. what He's going to have you preach and what He's going to have you, uh, you know, share, you know, uh, with whoever you're talking with at the time. That's good. You know? That's real good. So, so you, you got your methods, you know, uh, you, 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 you teach evangelism. How many, uh, how many times a year do you teach and preach evangelism at your church? Um, I think if, if we're walking through God's word, um, it's there like yeah. everywhere. Yeah. <laughs> Pretty much every week. <laughs> Good man. Pretty much every week. Yeah. 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 So listen, if y'all get tired of me talking about evangelism, <laughs> he's doing it every week, right? <laughs> Um, good. So, all right. So here, here it is. We're going to wrap up because we want to get into our breakout sessions. Um, you have the floor. The point of this whole conversation is to help the people in this room and the people listening on our podcast, uh, to, uh, to learn how to be uh, evangelist, how to be effective in their evangelism. If there was one thing you could tell them, one piece of advice you could leave them with, what would it be? Uh, uh, one, you're good. Yeah. <laughs> I know you're a preacher. Calm yourself down. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so there's a lot. Yeah. And, I, and I'm just going to pick one. How about that? Uh, Is that deal. okay? All right. Um, man, on the spot. Okay. So, so I've, I've, been, I've always been told you can't count. Um, you can count how many seeds are in an apple, but not how many apples are in a seed. Okay. Okay. So you can count how many seeds are inside of an apple, but you cannot count how many apples will come from a seed. In evangelism, I feel there's far too many who pick and choose based on so many, so much criteria of who they will give their time to, who they will pour into, who they will, you know, disciple in a sense. And normally that leads to it being whatever's most comfortable or looks like me or has the same politics or any of that stuff. I challenge everybody here, everybody listening, like I challenge myself. Um, what have you prayed that God placed somebody in your life, no matter who that is, may not look like you, may not think like you, may not anything, and that he just gives you a desire to give your all to them in terms of discipling them and, and winning them over for Christ so that they can win more. What, what happens when you really surrender to um, confessing Christ as Lord of your life and, and you just do what you're told? You don't have all these agendas and these standards of what it is. What, what happens when it's not about whether or not that person comes and joins the seats in this church, but instead you're just worried about his soul. I don't care if you come to church on the rock. I don't care. You can go to Cornerstone. You can go to. I don't care where you go as long as it's a Bible-based church. You yep. know, I just want you for the kingdom. That's it. That's all I want. And and therefore I'm going to give my all to you, like to you. I'm going to give my all to you. When when that happens. You win people like me over. Me and my pastor had very little in common. Very little in common. But he gave his all to me. And um, didn't give up on me. 
I just feel like we've become I just feel like Christianity in America is so privileged and yeah. we have so many luxuries that we don't really know what it means to go out after people. Yeah. Yeah. All we want, all, all, we call evangelism bringing people here <laughs> and expecting them to show up and being upset that they only come on Christmas and Easter when we only invite them on Christmas and Easter, you know? Instead of going, going to them, I've always said on Sunday mornings, I'm equipping saints to go. My message is focused mainly on the believers who are gathered because the discipleship and the evangelism should be taking place in their lives. Yeah. Not you just gathering people and saying, come listen to my pastor. Like we want them to say, you know. Yeah. So, um, yeah, I, I, would, I would say, do you really care about the people that you claim you're trying to evangelize or you're trying to disciple or that you're trying to win for Christ? Or are you just trying to come back to church with your numbers? You know, hey, I got three people I'm pouring into, da, da, da. Look at me and let me check this off my list. Right. Or is it like, hey, Larry, will you, will you please pray for Bob? I've been meeting with Bob since January. And he's fighting so hard, but he just won't turn that corner. I've cried with Bob. I'm about to cry now because of Bob. And I, I need you to join me in prayer. I don't need you to know that I'm pouring into him and I'm I, I need you to come alongside me and intercede on behalf of Bob because I, I've been giving my all to Bob and he's going through things with his wife and his kids. And I, I need you. I need you to join me in this because I care so much about Bob. Who's that name in your life? Do you even have it? Do you even have that name in your life right now? And if you don't, why not? Mm. That, that's all. That's all I got. Like, <laughs> the altar call is, is going to happen next. Uh, no. uh, guys, let's give a hand to Rashad. Praise God. All right. That does it for this episode of Coffee and Conversation Live. want to thank our guests for the amazing uh, testimony and answers to our questions. If you don't have a church home, uh, as always, we welcome you and your family to come worship with us each and every Sunday at 9 and 10.30 a.m. Uh, for worship and Sunday school. There's worship services, both services, uh, and also Sunday school, both services. So something for the entire family. More information can be found at cornerstonerock.org or our Facebook page. Uh, just look for Cornerstone Christian Church or type in CCC Brownsburg. All right, guys, that will do it. We will see you next time on the Coffee and Conversation Podcast. Peace, love, and soul.